0: Welcome to the Truth About Taxes and Retirement. This podcast is brought to you by SavingYouTaxes.com and hosted by Jay Barry Watts. As an advanced tax strategist and enrolled agent federally licensed by the IRS, Barry is uniquely qualified to go deeper into the Internal Revenue Code than most accountants. He understands and interprets his provisions explaining how they'll help you reduce income taxes you owe so you can direct that previously wasted tax money into tax-free accounts that you can enjoy in your retirement years. Now, on today's episode...
1: On this special Valentine's Day edition of The Truth About Taxes and Retirement, our host, tax strategist and retirement designer, Jay Barry Watts, has a special guest in the studio for a conversation on money and marriage. How to keep the romance alive when the finances are on life support. So sit back, prepare to laugh and learn as you get an inside view into the personal life of the host you've come to know and love as we all have here's barry watts
2: well thanks so much patrice today is a great day it's great because we're alive It's great because we're back talking with our podcast friends. It's great because we've got a really fun and interesting topic today. Money and marriage, keeping the romance alive when the finances are on life support. You're here, Patrice. I'm here. Our audience is here. And we've got a really, really special guest today. This is your first time to meet her, in fact. And it's the first time for our audience to meet her as well. And it's her first time to ever be on this podcast or any podcast for that matter. This is the mother to my precious daughters. My beloved wife, Kelly Watts, is on the podcast today. Baby, welcome to The Truth About Taxes and Retirement.
3: Yay, Kelly! Yay! (laughs) I'm
2: so glad you're here. How are you doing? Are you comfortable in that chair? Yeah,
3: I'm good.
2: Okay. Now, there are approximately, um, oh, uh, 500,000 people who are going to hear this podcast. They're all listening at once. So this is the largest audience that you'll ever address in your life. So just be aware of that, okay? And say something that's really impressive. To I them.
3: probably didn't need to hear that.
2: Because this is your one chance to like win a Grammy or a <laughs> I don't know what Do they have awards for podcasts, Patrice?
1: We'll make one up if they don't.
2: There ought to be. I bet there is a podcast thing. You should tell the 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 people upstream to look into that and see what, what happens. What
1: do they call them? The potties?
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, that's bad.
2: Well, we're gonna do our best to win a potty today. How about that, baby? So here we go. You notice I called you baby. This is a pretty formal environment. Are yeah, you, like you are you okay with the uh, nickname there? Sure, bug. <laughs> well, you do call me bug sometime. What other cute nicknames do we have for each other?
3: I'm not sure they're appropriate for a podcast. Well, I
2: meant the ones that we can say publicly. Um, uh, Let's see. For a lot of years, I called you little one, my little one. And (laughs) we even had a um, a license plate on the back of that uh, first Toyota that you owned. And the license plate was L-I-L-O-N-E.
1: L-T-L-O-N-E. Like I said, little one. Yeah.
2: It's not anymore though. What's your license plate today? You don't even know. I don't know. Yeah, just whatever number the yeah, government is. That's assignment. exactly right. Any other cute uh, nicknames that my mom want to drop on you today, or are we done with I, just?
3: I think that's pretty much All it. Right.
2: Now you call me Boog. Where'd that come from?
3: I have no idea.
2: Um, yeah.
1: Boog well, as
3: in
2: B I... B U G, like. No, uh, as whatever.
3: in B O O G.
2: There used to be a baseball player named Boog Powell.
3: That's not where it came. Yeah, from, I, well, no,
2: afraid. I know that's not where it came from. That's just the only time I've ever heard that used.
3: I've was... also called you Boogie in yeah. the past, so Boog was just a shorter form of that. But I don't know where you that, that came from. We get back either. to
2: some of those nicknames. Those were a lot of fun.
3: Well, there you go. We
2: we just got busy. Now we just talk to the cat and refer to yeah. You know, you'll have to go ask your mama that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then you remind me mean, it's Grandma because we're just keeping the cat for our daughter for a time. Well, Kellan, introduce us to yourself. Tell us a little about you and what, what you're all about, where you've been, what you've done. Just help our audience to know who you are.
3: Um, well, I grew up in Springfield, went to school at Mizzou, um, went to nursing school there, was a nurse in the VA system for approximately 12 years, um, loved working with the veteran population, loved the little old men. We bonded well together. Um, only quit that to be a stay at home mom after we got married and had our first daughter and never looked back. I actually sub nursed a little bit in the school system when the girls were in school. I, um, the regular school nurse was one of my good friends. And so she'd call and I'd step in for when she needed to be off for a day or something. But other than that, nursing kind of took a side note, um, until you decided that the girls needed to be raised on a farm at which point farming and nursing are very, very similar. And so I stepped into a lot of the day-to-day farming chores because that was just something that my skill set worked with
2: so uh people who are listening uh, and by the way there there are lots of them so they may not even know where springfield is we're in springfield missouri right in the heartbeat of the usa in the central part of the united states but uh, they may think farming is uh, you know thousands of acres and big combines and uh, wheat fields uh, and in your case the kind of farming you're doing is taking care of what
3: is 85 acres, taking care of about 40 cows, about 50 goats. Um, we've had llamas in the past. We've had pot-bellied pigs. We've had regular pigs. We now have chickens and ducks. A couple of horses, a donkey uh a couple of livestock dogs some cats am i missing anything
2: yeah i'm sure you are but i don't know what it would be off the top of my head so, so
3: yeah that's so you are much the it.
2: farm girl but you didn't grow up farming at all oh no not at don't all don't know anything about it no
3: no grew up in the city
2: but it's a lot like nursing
3: yeah and very much like nursing. very
2: very interesting we've probably got nurses who are listening today who may find that interesting they may want to go buy farms now that they <laughs> found out that the skill sets uh cross over so, so, Kel, tell us about the family of origin you grew up in and specifically money in that family. Just kind of tell us about how you grew up.
3: Well, growing up, I thought we were middle income. We actually probably were lower middle income. Um, it was just the school I went to in the neighborhood I lived in. We were very much the average citizen there. Um, so I didn't really realize that we didn't have much money. Um My mom stayed home with us girls. My dad was a factory worker. And uh, when my little sister got to be kindergarten, I guess, then my mom went back to work as a medical transcriptionist. And she continued working doing that until just last year when she retired at the ripe young age of 86. Um, so anyway, I was raised with a hardworking family. We had a garden. We worked hard. We mowed lawns when we were young. I helped my dad roof houses. Um, we just, it was all about, you just got out there, worked and you made money and you got by, um, never tons and savings or anything, never big extravagant vacations or anything like that. Um, we just kind of lived day to day and you hung out with your family and your neighborhood friends.
2: Very, very interesting. I grew up similarly, but different. Um, I grew up on the farm and um, my parents didn't have a lot of money. Mom had gone back and got a teaching degree after I was in uh, upper elementary school. And I think her first teaching contract was something like 2,500 bucks a year or something like that. Wasn't a lot of money. Um, Dad raised uh, raised pigs. That was the way you used to pay for things. Is you'd raise pigs because they'd do it all on their own. You just buy these sows, turn a boar in with them, and uh, give them a hundred acres in the middle of the woods, and they'd go down and build their own nest, have their babies, and bring them back up later. And that's the way Dad paid for our farm. I recall that. And so he would do odd jobs, things of that nature. Really, before he developed his profession, uh, before he even got to that. When I was a kid, uh, Mom and Dad. Uh, as I started high school, they built a dairy barn and bought a herd of dairy cows. And we started milking uh, twice a day, every day. And that was true for many, many people in the part of the world I grew up in. That was, that was most conventionally how people probably made a living. Um, so mom, and dad didn't ever have a lot of money. Uh, a, a testimony to that would be, for example, when we would go on vacation, like to, to Washington, DC, uh, we would take a cooler and, um, the ice in the cooler was gallon milk jugs full of Kool-Aid. And they would buy bologna and put in the cooler and, uh, you know, apples and I don't know what other kind of products we'd have, but w- instead of eating at restaurants, we would eat out of the cooler. And for example, I remember uh, another thing that happened when my grandparents would come to town uh, to Springfield, they lived 40 miles away. And, you know, that might as well have been 400 miles away uh, at that point in time. But when they would come to town, they would bring cheese and crackers with them because they couldn't afford to stop and eat at one of those expensive restaurants. So, and right now our audience, by the way, is rolling their eyes saying, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard of. Well, this is really who we are at a fundamental level. My, my parents had a little saying that I think my mother got from her parents uh, about things. And it, it went this way. It said, uh, use it up, wear it out, make it do. Or, Kel, can you finish it?
3: Do without.
2: Use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. So that's just the way we did it. Our clothes were darned and repaired and stitched up and passed down from the older kids to the younger kids. It's just the way we lived in those particular days. It certainly isn't how uh, America lives uh, these days. In fact, it's not how we live anymore. Um, how would you describe how we live today, Kel, and, and uh, uh, m- about money not in our family of origin, but in the family that you and I have together?
3: Oh, I mean, we don't want for anything. No. Um, I would say we spend fairly freely, but that's not totally true. Um y- Especially you, will you want more expensive things than I probably want, but you mull over them a long time and it takes you a long time to make that decision to go ahead and spend that kind of money. Like your new tractor that you just well, bought. Well,
2: yeah, that was kind of like an expensive deal. Okay, That's the most expensive vehicle I've ever bought.
3: But the point is, you've been needing a new tractor, but it took you a couple of years to actually make that step and spend that kind of money on a tractor because you already had a tractor. So it went back to that use it up, wear it out kind of deal. It was like, well, this tractor still works and I can make it keep working, but you're also getting older and you need to be doing less physical labor. So you needed a bigger, better tractor. So, but it took you a while to decide that.
2: My feelings are still kind of hurting about the money we spent on the tractor. In fact, (laughs) I was on a call earlier today with a guy in Topeka, Kansas, and we were talking about the cost of the new tractor and how it set me back. And uh, yeah. But think
3: how nice it was this morning in the cold, putting out hay for the cows when you had a tractor with heat.
2: I had the heater on one side and I had the AM FM Bluetooth to my phone on the other side and i had i'm sitting in a chair that's cushy air ride and i had my wife outside cutting yeah. open the cutting <laughs> open the twine on the bale of hay for the cows hmm. it was a perfect setup yes yeah,
3: something's wrong with that picture but you're I a great woman
2: that. kelly watts yeah you're a great woman you really really just are
3: your butt won't fit in the buddy seat
2: yeah it's uh, the size has its advantages. So when we first got married, I don't know if you remember this a million years ago. How how long ago was that? It'll be 28 years in the spring, 28 years in just a couple of months. Yep. So when we first got married, we lived outside of Little Rock, Arkansas, between Little Rock and Hot Springs in a little town called Benton. We actually, that was where my work was. We actually lived in a little neighborhood outside there called Haskell down on the Saline River. So we may have some listeners in uh, uh, Arkansas who will hear that and know exactly where we were in Haskell. In the early years, when we first got started, though, I don't know if you remember this, but you were working as a nurse in the VA system, and I was trying to get my career started in the financial management system. You start from scratch. You don't have any clients. You don't have any way to make any money. And so you supported us. Do you recall that?
3: Oh, yeah. I remember.
2: Yeah, the the check came totally from you. And then I remember one of the first things I needed to do was buy a new computer system. Now, people will laugh about this. Do you remember that first computer I bought?
3: It was huge.
2: It was huge. Yeah, it took up a lot of space. And do you know what it cost?
3: No, uh, no
2: I'm not sure. $5,000.
3: More than I was saying,
2: We I spent $5,000 on that first computer. And all it would do was manage a database. And I normally can tell you the name of the database and it escapes me right now. But all it would do literally was put names and addresses in and would help us to address envelopes. And we spent 5,000 bucks on that. But we had to do it in order to get us started. So we were living on your nursing salary. And we actually, for a while, if you remember, lived in the back of the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my office was up front. It was in an old house on an old street in a small southern town. And uh, w- the office was out in the front. And, and like many shopkeepers in the old days, you know, the shops out front where people come and go and the family lived in the back. And you and I did that for a while. Yeah. You you and me and your little dog, Toto. Oh, no, it, was, it wasn't Toto. It was Casey. Yeah. But uh, that's And I
3: helped you enter client names in that computer and do a lot of the secretarial stuff. Because right. so I didn't have a secretary.
2: I didn't have anybody to help me. So on your days off, you'd nurse 12 hours, and then you'd come help me enter stuff. Yep. And got us up and going. And then one day the news came. And you know what the news was? Mm-hmm. I remember it very well. No. Mm-hmm. You said, Boogie, I'm pregnant.
3: Oh, that news. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so you worked for a while and then uh, you got close to Madison's birth mm-hmm. and the doc said, you need to be off your feet. You got to be done with this. And so you kissed the VA goodbye.
3: Yep, I did.
2: And uh, that was in 95, 96. 96. Yeah, sorry, 96. And you, uh, you actually haven't drawn a W-2 check since then.
3: No. Uh, So
2: that was that was when you really quit working and came home and just supported our family. And I've been the the sole support financially. And so the roles that we play now when it comes to money is kind of I bring the money home and give it to you. And then you do Whatever you do with it, which is that a fair description?
3: Magic. I do magic. magic. With you it. do magic
2: with it. <laughs> so this is a show about magic, and we want to know about the magic that you do with the money. So, kind of tell me what your role is in in the money after I bring it home and hand it to you.
3: Well, so originally back in like probably college, I heard about that system where you like. Put your, you make up your budget and you put your money in envelopes and it's like so much money a month goes. So
2: you got like three, got an envelope with $300 on it and it says groceries.
3: Right. And an envelope
2: says $700 and that's house payment.
3: Yes. And that was a real pain because A, you had to have a pretty big purse to carry around like your Walmart money and your grocery money and your gas money. And so- I didn't enjoy that. Um I liked the idea of doing that but that was just a cumbersome way. So, so that I, was
2: a tool to help with budgeting.
3: Right. So I dropped it. So didn't you it. so
2: you had you had an envelope for every budget category and you took your check and you turned your check into cash. Correct. The, boy, they're going to think we're real Neanderthals. You turned your check into cash because our our children don't have. They've never turned a check into cash. They they just turn it into their debit card and keep using the thing. Exactly. So so you had your budget categories and you had an envelope for each category and mm-hmm. you'd turn your check into cash and you'd put the the money for clothes in the clothes envelope, the money for utilities in the utility envelope, uh, food in the food envelope, and so forth.
3: Correct. Wow. But so that didn't last too long. The envelopes wear out. It's just a pain to try and keep up with that many envelopes, yada, yada. So for a few years, I kind of didn't do much with budget. But then once we got married and we were limited on what kind of cash we had, and I felt like budgeting was important again, um, by this time we have a computer. And so then we could do a spreadsheet. So,
2: I Excel spreadsheet, right? Yeah. Excel
3: spreadsheet, and so I would just make the categories. Um, some of them are easy to make, some like groceries. Okay, so you can kind of figure out you can look back over six months and see how much money you've spent at the grocery store in six months, divide by six, and then that's your amount that you use per month for your groceries. And then there are some that are a little more difficult, like life insurance or auto insurance or some of those things, and then you need to look back over a year, of course, and divide that out. But divided out still on a monthly allotment to it, so that so even way, though
2: you only pay those bills every six months or every twelve months, you on your bookkeeping system on in your spreadsheet you're allocating to them every month.
3: Correct, um, and the reason you're doing that is because if you got a big like homeowner's insurance bill that lands once a year. Well, if you haven't set aside each month for that, that can like totally blow your budget out of the water and blow you away. And you don't have money for groceries or gas or anything else that month because you've paid your homeowner's insurance. Now, the problem with that, especially with young people, is I keep all of that money in our checking account. And yeah, so, I was going to
2: say, this is why you keep forty or $50,000 in there exactly. and Aaron, you won't let me spend any.
3: Exactly. So when you look at your checkbook or you get your bank statement, you're like, oh my gosh, I've got $20,000. I'm going to go buy a new whatever purse or whatever shoes or whatnot. Well, no, you don't really have that money. That money is set aside for something else. So you have to totally live by your budget sheet, not by what your bank account says. That so we could call
2: these envelopes of the mind.
3: There you go. Because
2: it's not really in an envelope, but it's in a category or a column.
3: Right. Now, okay.
2: So, so let's say I've got $500 in there for groceries. Uh, Mm -hmm. That wouldn't be enough now because I won't cover the egg cost, but right, uh, so, so whatever the number is, I've got $500 for groceries. Now, how does money get taken out of there? How do you do that?
3: Well, so like when I go to the grocery store and let's say I spend $120 on groceries, then when I come home and you don't have to do this every day, since I'm a stay at home worker, I can do it every day. But for somebody who's working outside the home, you might just want to do once a week or twice a week, whatever keeps it up to date the best for you and you sit down and you take your budget column for groceries and you subtract that $120 from it and then that allows you to see what you have left for the rest of the month um then at the end of the month there's a couple of ways you can handle it if you've done really well and you have some extra grocery money left Depending on what's coming up, sometimes I just leave that money there and add it in to the next month. Like if Thanksgiving's coming and I know we're going to be hosting, so I'm going to be buying extra food. Well, I'll leave that money in there because I'm going to use it. And that doesn't make Me short us, or Zach, your
2: son in law to be is coming home and he needs chocolate milk
3: exactly, or he needs crack cake or some of those things that I don't know. You're gonna have to explain crack cake,
2: you know, there's gonna have to be a special Kelly's Recipes podcast.
3: Is that it? Is that it? Well, that's that's for another time, okay? But anyway, so uh, you can either do that or you can take that money and put it in one of the other accounts if you're routinely spent well, A, if you're routinely spending less on groceries than what you're budgeting, it might be time to take back a little bit off of that budget. So instead of $500 a month or whatever you said, you might go to $450 a month and take that extra 50 and you could add it into what you're saving. Or if you notice you're running short on your clothing budget from what you need, you could add it into there. Or if you're running short on your gas money, you could add it into there. So it takes a little while to get that all worked out to where you've got real numbers that are workable in each column.
2: And if I want a shirt, what do you do about that?
3: Well, you go to the clothing budget. So I've got see, a clothing. Yes.
2: Now, do we have a clothing budget? No. Or do I have one?
3: You have one and I have oh, okay. one. Okay. Okay. Um the reason we do that is you like more expensive things than I do. Mm-hmm. So I have my own because I can go buy several small things out of mine. Well,
2: 110 You know, I that's there's, there's a little difference.
3: So i yeah, but I'm still I'm cheap. And uh you like nicer things, so you have your own. So it takes you a little longer to save up. But you also don't go shopping very often. So when you go, there's money in that budget for your clothes.
2: All right. So let me make an observation here that I think is significant. First of all, you probably don't know that one of the biggest challenges that people have when they come to see us has to do with budget. Nobody knows what they're spending exactly and where they're spending it. And one of the things that I tell them they have to do is they have to tell me how much money they're going to need to spend every month net deposited into their bank account so that they can do all the things they want to do in retirement oh my goodness you'd think that i asked them to cure cancer and swim to hawaii because they they just don't know and you could answer that question very clearly because you know what it costs us on a monthly basis
0: yes i do
2: um so so i think that's interesting now here's the other thing though baby you are You're very detailed and you like the minutia. Now, I think many of our listeners are going to fail at this. And here's why Um, it's too much minutia. I couldn't keep it up. And you know that because I'm Mm -hmm. not oriented toward that minutia. So there are software uh, apps that will do this where you can go in and you can deposit $5,000 into your app. And you can have set your app up so that it will allocate your $5,000 to groceries and housing and utilities and car and gas and all these different things. And the app will do for you what you're already doing in a really old style Luddite manual sort of way. So I I wanted to just put that in there because if what Kelly's talking about doesn't quite work for you, there are apps that will help you with this. Unfortunately, I can't tell you what they are because I've tried to bring those to the attention of my bookkeeper and she didn't (laughs) want them. So that's not something Uh that works at our house, but uh, it might uh, might work for many of you.
3: I get a lot of satisfaction though, out of seeing that there's money left at the end of the month or that it came out just perfect. And also the, um, bank statements being to the penny accurate every time. So I'm just that kind of person. So I find whereas you're making it sound like she's not willing to try it. Um, it's just that I get a lot of fulfillment out of, this, whereas used to I got fulfillment out of the surgery patient coming back and it all goes well and his blood pressure's good and I've given the pain meds I'm supposed to and I've got the IV running and what it needs to be and all that sort of thing. Well that piece is gone and we don't do that with goats and cows. So this allows me to do something that that skill set works with and is still, I feel like important to the family.
2: Well, just so you know, I love that you do this. I appreciate it. It's a great gift that you give to me and to our family and it's a very important role you play and uh, and i'm grateful for it we're going to learn more about it in just a moment but first we're going to take a commercial break pay the bills and hear a word from our sponsor and when we come back we'll talk about kelly's non-negotiables we're going to tell a story about our friends bill and chris we're going to talk about what we taught our kids and then we'll talk about what we're doing and you might want to consider doing yourself as you prepare for old age that and more right after this break
1: This episode of The Truth About Taxes and Retirement is brought to you by the Wealthcare Corporation, a national personal wealth management firm with taxes at its center, because they realize that no matter how well you do with savings and investments, it won't matter if you don't get the taxes right. That's where Wealthcare shines. They design a personalized retirement income strategy unique to you, focused on after-tax income, so that you can have confidence you'll have the income you need every year throughout your retirement helping people retire with confidence, age with dignity, and create a legacy for their family. That's what they're all about at Wealthcare. Visit them on the web today at savingyoutaxes.com.
2: Well, we're back. You're listening to The Truth About Taxes and Retirement. I'm Barry Watts, your host, and this is a special Valentine's Day edition where we're talking about money and marriage, how to keep the romance alive when the checkbook is on life support and our special guest in the studio today is my wife kelly and it's a delight to have her in here now uh before we went to the break she was talking about how she handles our money our relationship is that i make the money i bring it home and i hand it to her and then i beg for some of it back to do whatever mm-hmm. that's not really true i don't beg for it don't back, beg. But, but but she's the one that keeps all the money organized now kel um uh I I do handle a portion of our money. I handle the investment portion of our money. And I don't even ask you about that because this is what I do for a living. So if all of our clients uh, can trust me to do it for them, I just, my wife has said, well, she could trust me too. And I appreciate that. Thank you. So I handle the investments and I'll just uh, parenthetically say the way that I do that is the same way that I do it for my clients. The exact same investment vehicles, the exact same tools. We go to cash at the same time when the market's under certain conditions. We come back and invest at same times when the markets are under differing conditions. Um, So I do for us, you and me, what we do uh, in our practice for our clients. Uh, So that's the way I handle my portion of the money that I'm responsible for. Now, as you're dealing with your portion back at the house, uh, you've got some non-negotiables. Uh, tell us about uh, about the things you have to do that it's like, no, this is not something we're going to discuss. This is how we do it.
3: Well, some of those um, are things that we sat down when we first got married and, or when we first started budgeting and talked about. Well, actually, when we first got married, even. Like we give 10% to God. Um, sometimes that's 10% to church. Sometimes it's 10% to other Christian ministry types of things, but that's always been something that was not negotiable. Um, the other thing was in the beginning, we gave 10% to savings. Um, now, I don't know what you're putting in savings now. I don't want to know as long as we've got money to retire on and it's going great guns. I trust you with that.
2: More than 20. So,
3: that's what I, I figured. So 20% I, that is. I don't, I, not, 20% not $20. 20%. Well, yeah, I might need to put that in the budget if it's
2: only $20. Um, so I actually save before I give you the money. Right. So, so, exactly. but that's a really good philosophy because then if I've saved before I give you the money and if you've, uh, given 10% to charity in the form of our tithe, well, then when you get the money, you can spend all the rest of the money, right? You can do with it what you want to. So now fill up those envelopes, baby. Here we go.
3: There you go. Um, then some other non-negotiables I have are like, um, bank accounts, reconciling that sort of thing. Um, some people are fine if their bank statement is off by, you know, a dollar or two, they'll just make the entry in their check register and move uh, on.
2: Me. I'll just make an entry and, exactly. it and move on. I
3: will not do that. I will work for hours to find a penny that's off. And
2: when you find the penny, how do you feel?
3: Oh, I, like great. It's like the best satisfaction because it's like, no, you're not real. I, I found that penny. Now, mm-hmm. sometimes it's my fault. So then I don't feel so great about it, but Anyway, um, so that's another non-negotiable. Um, other than that, I don't. Well, this is not like non-negotiables. This might be more about what we taught our kids. So I'll no, no.
2: Well, that. the 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 credit card issue. Let's talk about that for a moment. So so, what's a non-negotiable related to credit cards?
3: Um, we don't use them we use them, but we pay them off at the end of every month. We don't use them as a long-term payment plan kind of thing. Um, That is an easy trap for young people to fall into, probably old people too, but the main teaching I've done regarding this has been with our children or some of their friends. Um, So you don't You can't do that. You can't fall into that trap because you can wind up sinking in that trap and having to pay back money for years and years because of those high interest rates. And it's going to wind up hurting you in the long run. You have to just suck it up and do without that thing that you thought you had to have, or you have to manage to take it out of one of the other or several of the other parts of your budget. To cover it so that you can pay for it. So
2: the first month that you can't pay for your credit card, you what?
3: You need to stick your credit card in a drawer and not touch it. I
2: disagree. You cut it up.
3: Oh, well, I was going to give you one time to realize. One
2: time you put it in the drawer. The second time you can't pay your credit card a month and you cut it up. You need to cut it up. And talk to me for a minute about needs and wants. How how do you sort through that?
3: Well, I think if you're, especially if you're married, um, you need to sit down and discuss what's important to you as opposed to what's just a fun thing to you. And sometimes couples are gonna have different things that they, one of them feels they need, and the other one's like, no, that's just a want. Um, So you have to have open communication and be willing to give and take a little on that, just like everything else in marriage is. Um, It's just, this is super important because it's not like giving and taking on where you're going to dinner that night. This is something that can affect your whole, how you live, where you live your lifestyle just in general um so you got to you got to decide what's a need and what's a want
2: you know when you're the age of our kids which are mid 20s um they have trouble sorting needs and wants mm-hmm. and they need and want so many things and um when you get to be our age you can have anything you want and you don't want
3: anything. Isn't that the truth? It's
2: really interesting.
3: It's kind of sad.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is disappointing. It's like, well, let's go shop for some stuff. Cause that used to be a fun thing. There's nothing I want.
3: I went to uh well, this will tell you something about how I shop. I went to TJ Maxx the other day.
2: Hi so, baby.
3: Yeah, I know that's not your shopping style. That's why we have different clothing budgets. But anyway, so I go to TJ Maxx and I tried on a couple of things, and it was like I kind of looked it all over and I'm like, you don't need this. How many times left in your life are you going to wear this outfit? And it was like, oh, what am I doing thinking like that? I'm only 60 years old. I'm not that old yet. But it was funny because when I was 30, I would have just bought three or four outfits and been like, yeah, I'll wear these sometime. Um,
2: so I remember it went about furniture because we used to every yeah. weekend we'd go furniture shopping. We go to this store and that store, and we're looking for what well, oh, I'd love to have something like that in our house. And then you're dreaming about what your house is going to look like. Well, well, we've got our dream house. We built our dream house 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and then we furnished our dream house. And there's absolutely nothing else we need in our dream house, and we like the furniture that's there. And we're not going to just throw it away and go get new furniture because the new stuff's crap compared to the Ethan Allen we got.
3: I got to buy it. Got to buy a king size bed the other day though because Madison's getting married. There you
2: so. go. And so you replaced the little bed the little
3: yeah, the full side bed with the king okay so so that was fun
2: um well it's just interesting to be at the stage in life where you can buy anything you want and you don't want anything yep so uh, tell a, there's a little story that's kind of a joke um we have some friends that we see often and uh, tell about bill and chris that's kind of a funny story
3: well so evidently they've got um money limit that they won't spend above that on anything without consulting the other one, which I think is a great idea. But the funny thing to their story is they made up this limit, like back when they got married, which was like, I don't know, 20 years ago, ago, 25 years ago, something like that. And so it's a $20 limit. I'm like, literally, when I like go out to eat someplace. Yeah. I would have to come and have me.
2: lunch without talking to your spouse to ask permission.
3: I'm like, all right, I might need that limit to be more like $200. So instead you have know, 20. We
2: have made Bill and Chris famous now. <laughs> And they're going to be yes, they are now on the podcast, and uh, they're going to have to listen to the podcast to see how we made them famous.
0: There you go. But
2: when we sit with them, we eat with them about once a week. We have breakfast on Saturday morning with them. It's a we go to the Big M. It's called the Big M Breakfast Club. They have a there's this clown that comes through with big red shoes. McDonald's. We have breakfast at McDonald's <laughs> because that's the only place there is in the little town where we live. Literally. Well, there's a subway if you want to go to lunch. We'll do that later on. But uh, anyway, Bill and Chris will often stumble into something. It's like, oh, that violated the twenty dollars limit. Guess we can't do it. So, um, Maddie or Maddie, you're not Maddie. You're Kelly, aren't you? Maddie, though, Maddie is important to us. That's the name of our first daughter, Madison. Uh, She's twenty
0: six, Uh
2: and she lives in St. Louis and is going to get married in about three months. Mm -hmm. It's pretty exciting. Uh, Daughter number two is Sydney. She lives in Indianapolis works for Campus Crusade for Christ. And uh, both the girls are doing really, really well. Uh, and I'm awful proud of them, as I know you are. Uh, what do we teach our kids that you think really sunk in? And what, what kind of financial lessons do you try to teach the kids?
3: Well, um, partly going back to that needs and wants thing. Um, when we would go shopping, I would, you know, it'd be like they wanted some outfit. And I'm like, do you really like that outfit? Do you really do you really think you need that? Um, Or same with like toys. Now, they had plenty of toys. They weren't short on toys at all. But it was always a, you know, you got something kind of like that at home. Are you sure you want to spend your money on that? So I tried. So did
2: you give them a budget to spend and they could do whatever they wanted to with it?
3: No, no, I did not do that. But like if they got birthday money or something Mm -hmm. and we would go to the store. I wanted them to be sure they didn't just throw away that money. I wanted them to give some thought to what they were spending it on. And did they really want that and really think they needed that? Um, I I really didn't do a budget thing with them at that age. And then as they got older, um,
1: I, I, we really
3: didn't have them work other than they worked around the farm and did stuff. But it wasn't like they earned a wage. It was more a... I provided them with what they needed because they were willing to work and help us out and whatever. Like Madison playing tennis, she always had the tennis rackets that she wanted and needed to be able to play the level of tennis. That and she, she played was college
2: tennis. Yeah, so she did well. Um,
3: she didn't have to buy those on her own. We bought them. But she also helped kid baby goats. She showed goats at the fairs, although she Yeehaw. did not enjoy it, a lick. But she did it because that was expected. Um, so her payment for that was, okay, yeah, you get the good tennis racket. You need it for what you're doing. Um, so anyway, that
2: I I remember something a client taught me once he said, Hey, when the girls were little, he taught me this and I thought you did it, but maybe not. Um, he said, he said, give, give your girls a a clothing budget, $50. There's their clothing budget or whatever, and let them buy anything they want. They can buy whatever they want with it, but they have to understand. You won't get another $50 until whenever that is, in three months, six months, or whatever. So you got to be sure that you buy the right thing with this $50. Is that really what you want? You already mentioned that. And so the idea would be that they're going to screw up and buy the wrong thing, something that has no utility. And then they hate themselves for it, and they whine and they cry, but that they learned, nope, you've got to buy the thing you need, not the thing you wanted. And so that's a really good uh, thing to implement, I think. Um, when Maddie, so now let's fast forward. When Maddie graduated college and got her first job, I sat her down and I presented her with a letter because I wanted her to have a written record of it. Um, But I wanted to teach her what you do with money now because she, now she's earning real money and she is earning real money at this point. Um, And so here's what I taught her. I said, OK, here's the first thing you're going to do. When you get a paycheck, you're going to give 10% to God. We believe that that is very important in our family. We believe the best way to do that when possible is through the local church. And so the first thing you're going to do is you're going to give 10% to God. And the reason that's important to us is it's kind of like a farming metaphor. If you'll think about it. When a farmer harvests his crop, he doesn't eat all the corn that he harvested. He holds some of it back. That is next year's seed corn that he puts back in the ground. We believe that charitable giving, whether it is to God, which is how we do it, or whether it's just giving charitably into your community, we believe that that's kind of putting seed corn back in the ground for your future crop. And so we taught our girls to acknowledge God and give him a 10th from each paycheck. And we believe that helps them keep their heart in tune with him. Now, here's the second thing that I taught Maddie is I said, I want you to take uh, 20% and I want you to put that over in your savings account. So now notice we started with 100%. We gave 10% to God. We've put 20% in our savings account. So ultimately what's going to happen is they're going to wind up living on 70% of their income or less. And so that 20%, here's here's how I taught her to do that. Um, Take the first 20% and first part of the 20%, and you can put that into your 401k plan where you worked if they have a match, but only if they have a match. And her company didn't have a match, so there was no need to put it in there. Okay. Instead of putting it in the 401k, then we started putting in a savings account. And I said to her, I want you to keep putting this in here until you have six months worth of money in your savings account. So you could have a six month, you could, you could be without a job and you could still support yourself for six months. She's been working now for about three years and she just called me the other day and she said, Hey, by the way, I'm up to my six months. So it's probably time we had a talk. And then the whole idea was after you had done that and filled up your six month in the savings account for an emergency fund. Well, then we'd talk about other investments, and that's what Maddie and I are preparing to talk about now. The other thing I taught her was that when you get a um, uh, when you get a raise you take half of your raise and you direct it to savings. So now you're saving more than 20%. And you take the other half of your raise and you can spend that. So if you get a raise, you can only increase your lifestyle by half of the raise. And by the way, Maddie called us last week and she got a raise of 27% in one raise. That blew me away. I've never got a 27% raise. I, I was shocked by that. So the times they are a changing, but she's doing well. And that's just something that I taught her to do at that time is to get that emergency balance up to six months. So that then, and that, and that emergency balance, by the way, you can't use that money to buy a new sofa or a new chair. No, no, no. That's the emergency fund. If you want to buy a sofa or a chair or a car or whatever, that's going to be a the separate savings fund. account. Yeah, the
3: furniture fund. No, that's part okay. of the budget. Yeah, all right. So that's, that's one the of the furniture. columns
2: on your spreadsheet.
3: Yeah, right. it's on the spreadsheet.
2: Well, let's wrap this up, Kel, by talking about money in old age and uh, some things that we're doing to prepare for that. Uh, do you even know what I'm doing to prepare for that?
1: I
3: have no clue. I know where the list is kept and where the account. Well, you do are. kind of know That's because
2: all. we've we've talked about it. So one of the things that we're doing is we use a LERP plan because our LERP plan provides uh, chronic illness benefits if I should need care. Uh, and that's something we do for a lot of our clients, and so I've got a plan like that for me. Uh, the idea is that when we get to be old, if one of us needs care, if it's you, well, I, I make enough money I can afford to purchase the care that you will need. And but if I'm the one who is needing the care, and you're not working outside the home, you're going to need a pool of money. And so our alert plan provides a pool of money, something like thirty thousand bucks a month, if I recall, that could buy. Um, help at home to care for me. And what you said to me, nurse, is you said, um, I I can direct your care, but I can't move your body. I can't lift you. So this will be the money that will help me to hire the people to move you about. So we have got that kind of long-term care plan set up in our home, how we manage that. And then the other part of that, I think that's important is just knowing where the assets are. A lot of times husbands, if they run the money, they'll try to come into a meeting with me and they don't bring their wife. And I'm like, no, no, you can't do that. You got to bring the wife. Well, she didn't want to come. Well, I, I didn't ask if she wanted to come. We're only going to talk to both of them because nine times out of 10, he's going to die first. And she's not going to have any idea where the money is or what the money is. So she needs to have been involved in the conversations, at least hear what's going on. Or in your case, since I'm doing it and you're not paying close attention, you know which drawer we keep all those records in and you'd know where to go get that. And I even show that drawer and the files to our daughters every few months when they come in just so they uh, in case both of us get wiped out in the same airplane crash they'll know where all the records are so they know what to do uh, in the event uh, something happened to both of us so baby it's been great to have you on the show today thank you thank you so much for joining me in the studio i really really appreciate it i love you bunches you're an awesome girl uh, did you have fun yeah one all is right, all right, all right, all right.
1: Talking? Enough, 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 enough. I have a question. Have
2: a question. <laughs> Kelly. There's Patrice coming in. <laughs> what is it?
1: Kelly, I really need some clarification for you, and I think our listeners need it too. Clarification on the phrase you used, crack cake. Oh. <laughs>
3: So it's a cake that's just a yellow cake, but it has some wine in it when you cook it. And then the icing also has wine in the icing. Wine
2: and powdered sugar.
3: And yeah. So it is like the most sweet cake you could ever eat. And so like you eat a piece and then you're like, oh, oh I need some more of that. And so anyway, it's a little bit addictive, maybe.
2: It's good. Understand. but it's
1: not <laughs> yeah. Thank Sorry you
2: for that. Our son-in-law to be Zach. Uh, he'll be our our son-in-law here in three months or so. Uh, Zach is addicted to crack cake. He always asks for it when he's coming down. <laughs> so uh, she's kind of famous. Kelly doesn't cook a lot uh, and it's not kind of her wheelhouse, but she does have a few recipes and crack cake is one of those items.
1: Awesome. Awesome.
2: So to our listeners here on The Truth About Taxes and Retirement, Kelly and I want you to know that we really do care about you. Uh, We're not perfect and neither is our life, but we hope that today you might have heard something that you can apply in your marriage that will be helpful to you in managing your finances. Please don't forget to visit our sponsors at the Wealthcare Corporation for more information on tax strategies to help you send less to Washington, D.C. and your state capital and keep more money in your pocket. Visit them at Wealthcare. You can find them on the web at www.savingyoutaxes.com. Do me a favor if you would. If you think the podcast would be helpful to your friends, would you click on the share button and send a link to the people you care about most or post it to social media so your friends and family can get the same benefit that you do from listening? I really would appreciate it if you would do that. Until next time, I'm tax strategist, Jay Barry Watts, here on The Truth About Taxes and Retirement, reminding you that no matter how well you do in saving, investing, and planning, If you don't get the taxes right, nothing else matters.
1: This podcast is a production of the Wealthcare Corporation, found on the web at savingyoutaxes.com. The concepts discussed are for informational and educational purposes only and should not be implemented without first consulting with your own legal, tax, and investment counsel. This has not been an offer to buy, sell, or invest in securities, and this information is to be taken as educational concepts, not as specific advice for you. The lawyers and regulators like for us to remind you that all investment involves risk, and you could lose money. Past performance is never a guarantee of future results. Tax strategy services are provided by American Tax Strategies, LLC. Investment advisory services are provided by Wealthcare Asset Management, LLC.
0: Thank you for listening to The Truth About Taxes and Retirement Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of savingyoutaxes.com. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional tax and investment advice. Always seek the advice of your own qualified advisor with any questions you may have regarding taxes and investing.